what types of players can give us the best bang for our buck in drafts? Is it aging veterans? Is it rookies, prospects? Is it players who just had a down year? Well, we'll ask these questions, and we'll talk about middle infielders with The Athletic's Nando DeFino next on Beat the Shift. Welcome to another episode of the Beat the Shift podcast, presented by Fangraphs. I am your host, Ariel Cohen, and with me as always is Ruvain Guy. How are you, Ruvain? I'm doing great. How are you doing today? I'm doing pretty good. ATC projections are all out. Put up a nice risk article on rotoballer.com. Please take a look at that one. It'll give you a nice description of the interprojectional standard deviation, interprojectional skew, all those nice mathematical terms in uh in nice layman terms. So check that out, and you'll understand a lot of stuff that that uh, I say, and you get a better understanding of risk, and so on and so forth. What's going on, Ruben? I wish the lockout would end so I can give out some of my injury information here, because right now there's nothing coming out. All you know about the players is what they post on Instagram and Twitter. Yeah, I mean, uh, we got uh, Hugh Darvish showing that he can pitch. We got Acuna showing that uh, he can stand. What else is coming out here? Not really much. You can see that um, basically you see Wanda Franco hitting. I mean, it, it, there's really nothing really out there. Um, it, you see Jordan Montgomery throwing. I mean, there's, there's very little out there. You have to really, really comb the internet to try to find anything. Yeah. Maybe I should post a picture of me hitting softball, and uh, maybe maybe a team will sign me. What do you think? I No. No, please don't do that. No. We've got a great show today. Uh, he is the editor of The Athletic Fantasy Sports. And he's the host of the Athletic Fantasy Baseball Podcast, the Under the Radar version. Welcome to our show, Nando DeFino. How are you, Nando? I'm wonderful. Thanks for having me back. Feels good. Oh, our pleasure. And uh, how's the garage doing right now? <laughs> you know what? Uh, I'm bundled up, and it's war- it's still kind of warm out. So it's it's actually not so bad in here. It is. It's a very warm night over here in the uh, New York, New Jersey tri-state area. And uh, glad you could join us. So uh, on to this show, as we generally jump right into it, in our strategy section tonight, we're going to talk about a couple of different sources for potential profit and evaluate which category we like the best, as well as maybe a couple of names in each category on who we think is the best chance for profit. Plus, we'll do our middle infielders in the middle end of the show. So check all of that out. Here it comes. So, Nando, on the whole, there are... There are different ways that we can profit. There are different categories of players that sometimes give us a nice chance to make more than what the draft value, the, the draft level of when we're taking players could be. Some of them are rookies and prospects. Some of them are aging veterans. You can have players who just had a down season, or you can have injury players who bounce back. What do you think is the best possible chance, or what category do you like drafting from that could give you the most potential profit? I mean, uh, out of those, it's probably down season. Um, that's my favorite. It's it's kind of like, I was I've got like I've got a master's in history, and uh, I'm really big on research. Like I just read, read, read all the time, and um, I don't know. Like you just you find some people who a couple of years ago everyone was falling over themselves to get, and either they got hurt or they had like a down season. And there was someone I was I was going through um, I was going through the rundown. There was someone who just stood out. I met was it met Rosario? There was someone on the rundown who stood out to me as like the perfect guy who like two years ago, everybody loved, like everyone was all over him. 
and now they're just like pretending they never had any associated, like deleting things they wrote about him. And uh, I don't know. I just I feel like this guy showed skill. You know, you look at his he was you know number eight prospect or whatever. You know, number sixteen prospect. And he had like one or two bad years, and he's still young. And anyway, I'm, I'm making up a vague player. Um, but for me, it's the down season, guys. I do think the best chance for profit, though, is the injury bounce backs. Interesting. Ruben? Yes, I, I agree with the injury stuff. I'm, I, you can make the, I think you can make the biggest profit there, especially when it comes close to draft day. If, there's a, if there is spring training going on and you hear these minor injuries that people think are actually major, you can actually profit if you're going to be actually drafting really early on. Now, I do agree with the bounce back because, you know what, I, had, I, I majored in history in college also. So I do oh, have that, that background oh, as really? well. Really? Did you? Yes, I did. I, I, had, I had a dual major, so I, I loved history, and I loved doing the research and stuff like that. So I like that, but I also like digging into these injury guys. This is my thing. I know when people are going to come back or a good idea when they're going to come back and when they're going to be at full strength, and that's the key. Knowing when they're going to come back is one thing, but knowing when they're going to come back on full strength, then you know how much money to spend on them. Wow, I didn't know that we had two history majors on the show at one time. Look at that. Fantasy baseball, guys. You know, it's it's this, it's we you re, it, it teaches you to research and to kind of like compute that. Re, it's almost math in a way. It's like here's a problem. Go back in time and figure it out and find all these sources and examples and stuff. Compute it and then spit out you know a theory. Um, in a way, like it's I mean it, on the surface it's like yeah history boring you know social studies. But I guess if you've done it in college and stuff like you know like four hundred five hundred level, it's kind of like the same. It's it's just almost like x plus y equals z. And it's having the it's having the patience to read through everything because history is a lot of reading. So if you yeah. go through everything, you'll see both opinions, the opinions on a lot of different things, and you, then you can form your own opinion. I tell you what, it's it's taught me it's taught me like if I read a recap of someone's press conference, I think it's garbage. Like I have to go read the transcript because I can't trust someone else's interpretation of something anymore. Yep. So interesting. I mean, I, I found that really boring. I, I didn't read much in college. I mean, I, I, I took a bunch of math classes, and that was the end of it. You know, uh, two plus two is four, and you're done. <laughs> oh. Yeah, no, no, it's not that easy. <laughs> well, see, that's, math is easier for you. You, can, you, you know, some people get these things, but some people they just like sitting down and actually pouring over these numbers, not mathematically, but historically. Hmm. Well, my short answer on the question uh, is uh, I like aging veterans. I, I kind of think that when you do the uh, upside-downside value-to-risk assessment, kind of think they give you the best return on investment. Uh, but let, let's go through some of the categories, and let's talk about some of the traits for, for all of them and a couple of players this year that might go. Um, you know, I like to think of things in terms of, ups, like I just mentioned, upside-downside risk. You know, what's the positive? What's the upside? What's the floor? How, how low can a player go from the category? Uh, what's the hit rate? Like, what percentage of the time does it actually work out is important? Uh, and cost. Like, how much does this does the players cost from the kind of category? So, you know, for rookies and prospects, we'll talk about first. I think that um, it has one of the biggest ranges of upside-downside. Like, upside of a rookie is they can win you a league. I know, Ruvain, you and I, uh, a couple years ago when Trey Turner came up, we drafted him, and he didn't play for half a year. But since we had him the whole time, uh, no one could pick him up off of waivers, and he literally went off in the second half, and he won us the league. But some people held on to Jared Kelenic last year, and that was a total flop. Um, I think the error bar is very wide with rookies and prospects. I think the frequency of them hitting is kind of low. I think that most rookies don't actually pan out on your fantasy squads. The ones that do are really good. 
but usually you don't really get it. Um, and I, the problem though I have with rookies is the cost. I think that you got to pay for some good rookies. Like if you want to roster Bobby Witt, or if you want to roster O'Neill Cruz this year, you do have to pay an amount. Spen- even Spencer Torkelson is going for some some uh, high amount. Um, so I, I generally think it's a bad return on investment because um, they just hardly work out, and you got to pay for him. Uh, you guys disagree on, on any any of that? No, I think if you pick the right one, though, you're, I mean, like Spencer Torkelson, I think NF, his NFBC, I'm sorry for the typing in the background, yeah. but I think he's at 254 right now. And if you put his numbers against Bobby Witts, I mean, obviously, you're get the steals, whatever, and I know we'll get into that. But um, actually, those two aren't matched up against each other. But either way, like, I think if you pinpoint the right ones who no one's paying attention to and who know, like, everyone's so down on Detroit always. Maybe maybe it has something to do with the team. I don't know. But, like, Spencer Torkelson, to me, at 254, he should be, like, 154 right now with what he did last year and where he can play this year. I'm, like, I'm all all over him. Interesting. You know, uh, I was listening to James Anderson talk, and he actually thinks Riley Green is going to have the better season this year. And actually, if you look at, at their profiles, somewhat similar between the two. Maybe Riley Green could have a better a better batting average, potentially. Um, that team is going to be so – like, that team is – I would put them in, like, a, a wild card dark horse. Maybe yeah. even win the division dark horse. Do, does, does Torkelson – does his playing time matter as to what happens with Miguel Cabrera? I feel like it's going to be a graceful exit, kind of like Albert okay. Pujols, or okay. kind of like Alex Rodriguez. You know, like maybe a month in, it's like ah, uh, you know, maybe not. Miguel Cabrera's, he still got it. You know, those those guys are kind of, they didn't got it anymore. Um, yeah, I don't know, man. I the, in my brain, he's just kind of like, he could gracefully retire at any time, or they could trade him in spring training or something. Because there are going to be so many National League teams that might need DHs now. Well, a guy like Bobby Witt, he's going in the end of sixth, beginning of seventh round. That's a, that's a very high price you're paying for him, hoping he's going to do well. Yes, he is a top prospect, and his numbers are just crazy. But if you take someone like you mentioned, O'Neill Cruz, he's going pick, I think, two, he's 254 so right now, something like that, which is crazy low, and you don't have to pay as much capital. You can still get someone safer up top. Plus, Cruz already played in the majors. Yes, it was only a cup of tea. It was only a couple of games, but he lit it on fire just like Bobby Witt did in, in AAA. So you're investing less in someone like Cruz than you are in Witt, and you, you need less of a return from Cruz than you need from Witt. That is correct. Um, you know, as far as the two of them, we're talking about the, the risk measures at the top of the show. Uh, Bobby Witt, projections do not agree on him. I have some projections that have him at five homers for next year and some at 25 homers. It's a big error bar for him. Uh, is he Where's ATC? Up- Where's ATC got him? ATC's got him at 20 homers yeah. on the higher side. Um, nice. pro- yeah, I mean, projects him for about a $12 player and a 5x5 15-teamer, but he's going seventh round, which is higher higher than that. Uh, as opposed to O'Neill Cruz, actually ATC has projected for a bargain. ATC is high on him. 17 homers, 12 stolen bases, 261 average. For, definitely according to ATC, O'Neill Cruz is the far better pick per price than Bobby Witt. Um, the only th- the only thing about Bobby Witt is he played some third base in the minors. Right now he's listed as a shortstop, but there's a possibility that he'll come up as a third baseman. If you put him at third base, that may not be that bad because third base is kind of shallow this year. Yeah, I think uh, is there a playing time crunch over at KC where you have Mondesi, Witt, you got Merrifield, um, you also have uh, Nicky Lopez. Like, is is there enough playing time in there for the uh, infield for everybody? Who who's losing out? Play th- 
They're going to play the people who are hitting. That's what they're going to do. Nicky Lopez, he was very steady. I think the, the people in Kansas City love him because he's a great defensive guy. But they can't keep Bobby Witt down anymore, so they have to find space for him. I think that odd person out may end up being Adalberto Mondesi. I think he, if he doesn't produce or gets hurt, he may be lost. You agree, Nanda? I think you can see something in spring training where it's like, um, and this is a much different level, but uh, Ronald Guzman playing the outfield last year for the Rangers all of a sudden. Like, oh, yeah, Guzman's playing some left field, some right field here and there. Um, you know, unfortunately, well, he got hurt, unfortunately, in, like, you know, the first week. But I, I just think, like, you'll see them get creative and throw some guys, you know, who's projected to play right field and center for them right now. Um, uh, let's say, well, Fangraph says that Kyle Isbell and Michael Taylor. I mean, right. I could see them bumping a couple guys around to make room here. You know, maybe, oh, Mondesi's all of a sudden, you know, taking grounders at second, Merrifield's in the outfield again. So, like, I, I just think... Almost what Ruven said, just I'm taking a different tack. Like, if they're hitting, they'll play. They'll find right. a way. Right, all right. That makes sense. Uh, let's talk about aging veterans, uh, who it's my favorite category. You know, I think aging veterans, I think the upside is there. I mean, we saw last year we had Joey Votto, and Joey Votto, you know, aging veterans, he turned into a pretty good fantasy baseball player. It's a lot of times where you think they got nothing left in the tank, and there, there they run out. Um, I like them because the downside is limited. Usually, you don't you don't have to pay a high price. They're not very costly in general, and even they don't go to zero. Like they'll give you something, even if it's not great value. They'll give you something. So it's limited downside. Cost is low, and the hit rates are, are high. I think that more than fifty percent of the time, these aging veterans do get return much of their value. So you put it all together. I like this category. I'll give you a couple names, and maybe uh, you can start and tell me which uh, which you think are the best ones for profit. Maybe uh, one of the players who's going to be a big bust. Uh, but here they are. Uh, Charlie Morton, Zach Greinke, Joey Votto, Yadier Molina, Adam Wainwright, Nelson Cruz. And, yeah, Nanda, which of those you think uh, might be your best and worst of the six? Man, I, uh, I can't figure out Morton. Um, Greinke, I think, will be the best. I, I just... A guy who's been that good, uh, even if you start to lose a little velocity or anything, I think you can become crafty. Almost in like the Charlie Moore, you know, you just kind of reinvent yourself a little bit um, as your career goes along and you start to, you know, lose some skill and you can gain some other in craftiness. So I, I'm, I'm more in on Zach Grinky than I thought I would be. Um, Votto, I could see him repeating. Molina, I could see him getting hurt and not playing a bunch. Uh, Wainwright, I could see him reverting. And Cruz, I could just see him falling off a cliff. So I would say Grinky definitely the best. The worst, probably Molina. Um, I don't like catchers to begin with. I don't like going after him and paying high prices. And uh, Molina seems like he would bring like just a little bit more of a of a price tag for his stature. Your thoughts, Ruben? Adam Wainwright, Yadier Molina. This is their last year together, probably most likely. You uh, you can't see Wainwright doing what he did last year. And right now, people are paying for what he did last year, which is just crazy. I don't I don't think he's going to get anywhere near that value. Joey Votto, he could repeat. I mean, he's he seems like he found the fountain of youth. He actually increased his um his launch angle by about three or four degrees, and all of a sudden he hit all these home runs. Charlie Morton's going to be interesting because he threw 200 innings last year if you count the postseason. He threw 200 innings, and he's coming off of an injury. So you don't know how he's going to bounce back from the injuries. I'm a little nervous about him. Nelson Cruz, I'm worried about the Carlos Delgado effect. Carlos Delgado did great. I think it was in 2008, and in 2009, he was just gone, just completely gone. One of these years is going to be Nelson Cruz last year. I think this is going to be the year he's going to just fall off the, fall off the cliff. And I do think Zach Greinke is the safest of, the, of this group because you're going to pick him. Right now, he's currently at, let's see, he's at pick 332 
right now, which is or he was at 332. He was at 332 or 280, depending on which ADP you're looking at. And you're not, again, you're not putting that much money into him, and you're knowing what you're going to get. You know they're going to say that in spring training, his velocity is down again because yes. he does it every year. And you know what? Everyone's going to get worried about it. His ADP will drop, and I'll take that whip of his. I have no problem with that. Ariel, I got two guys, agent guys, who I like better than all these combined. Okay. Um, uh, right around 200 ADP. Yuli Gurriel, who I don't think people realize yeah. is 37 years old. And and I'd take a risk on Josh Donaldson, on a bounce-back Josh Donaldson, I think. Yeah, I'll give you another one who I like better in this group. How about Charlie Blackman? Um, people are just writing him off, and I don't know why. He he, he was fantastic last year. Um, I, he's I, still kind of young. He's, he's not 36, right? Blackman? Oh, Blackman's 35. I don't know. Yeah, wow. I had him more there. 33. Holy crap. Yeah. Maybe we're the ones getting old. <laughs> well, well, all the guys we mentioned before, they're all over 38. Those That group we mentioned before, they're all over 38, which is just crazy to think about. Yeah. Um, I think, though, um, so I, I think I agree with most of everything said. I think Zach Greinke, the only appeal to me is just the cost, that he's virtually free, especially in like a 10, 12-team league, he's free. So free is free. Um, but I, I don't see the upside with him. I mean, he really got worse last year. His swing strike rate is now down to 9. His K rate sunk from 25% to 17%. Um, the walk rate is starting to just inch up a little bit. I just don't think he has anything left in the tank. And, you know, we used to love him for his whip. His whip was, you know, 1, 1. 1.2, 1.02, 1.17 uh, this past year. I have projection systems that are projecting for 1.3 whip. Uh, if, if he's not going to have a good whip, Zach Greinke is pretty much useless because that strikeout rate stinks. Um, Charlie Morton, to me, has the biggest potential to actually making a profit because he is going cheap compared to his true talent level. It's just a question of will he stay on the field. Um, if he does, he's certainly the best option. So I think the answer here is Morton. Um, the safest is obviously Joey Votto. Um, Nelson Cruz, I mean, we were wrong the last 25 years in a row with him that we <laughs> thought he was going to, yeah, he thought he was going to be dead. Uh, but again, if Nelson Cruz is healthy, it's fine. I've, I, the, the production doesn't, does not phase me on Morton or Cruz. It's just the health on them. Uh, and I agree, uh, Molina and Wayne Wright are just way overpriced. So, uh, we'll go there. Actually, you know, I said it's my favorite group, but not this year. The, the, the couple of guys that I mentioned, these six here, Really aren't aren't that thrilling, uh, but I, I like your pick, uh, you know, uh, of, of Donaldson, and I like Blackman as well. Uh, I, I think those are a little bit better. Um, in general, it's a good spot to mine. I think. Uh, let's talk about down season. Um, that's Nando's favorite favorite one. Down season, of course, uh, you see that. I think the hit rate on down season is high, right? Because you know players regress down, but they regress up. If you have a down season, it could be because maybe there was they maybe there was an injury that you didn't know about, um, just bad luck. I mean, that happens all the time. In terms of price tag, it's a mixed bag. Sometimes players have a down season and they're still priced high, and sometimes you get a nice discount, so it really depends on the player. So the return on investment is kind of volatile, uh, but uh, you definitely can get a great bang for your buck. So I, I, I kind of like this section as well. Um, what do you think, Nando? Uh, let's talk about a couple players um, who are had a down season how about Mike Trout? Yeah. I mean, if you don't like Mike Trout, you know. I don't know what the worry would be with Mike Trout. Is that he's is well, he getting old? I mean, he's he's not old. He's he's gotten hurt a little bit, but Mike Trout's awesome. 
question is is he is he undervalued as as a player? Um, right now he's going late first round, let's say. I mean, he used to, for for maybe almost a decade he was top pick, top two picks. Um, or is is everyone getting a huge, huge, huge buy if they're buying Trout, or is just just not you know not worth the risk of the health anymore? No, right now if you're on the if you're on the turnaround, and you can, you know what you can kind of throw Mookie Betts on this list too. You could start with Mike yeah. Trout and Mookie Betts if you're drafting in a 12 team league at 12 and 13. You know, according to ADP right now, every draft's different, whatever, whatever. But I mean, th- like they, or even Mike Trout, Walker Butte. Like imagine a base of Trout and Betts. You will not have to draft another outfielder for 20 rounds. Yeah, no, it's definitely an interesting way to play it. Uh, Ruvain, what about Francisco Lindor? Uh, he had a down year. We know this as Mets fans. Is he in, in route for a bounce back, in your opinion? I think he is. I think he's going to be more comfortable his second year being in New York, a little bit less pressure because he's got a better lineup around him. Um, and me and you were actually we did a really deep dive on him. And his batting average, there's something odd about his batting average. Um, I don't think he's going to – he hit 258 the last two years. Um, he, I'm sorry, 258 and then 230. But his peripherals say he should be batting a lot better than that. He was unlucky last year. He was bunting. If we watched him day in and day out, he was bunting way too often for sacrifices, for hits. I don't get it. But him being – at right now his ADP is 49, and he's about the eighth shortstop off the board – I think that's being undervalued. I think he should be a little bit higher. I don't think he's. I don't think he's a top shortstop, but I think he's. I think there is something to gain in that batting average that I think he'll have a little bit more luck this year, and he may be worth being picked there and even later. You're. You're. Uh, are you on board, Nando, with Francisco Lindor? Oh, big time, man! I think like Buck Showalter is going to transform that team and get the most out of basically everybody. I'm off Lindor. I, you know. Uh, oh come on! Yeah, I, I mean, I should be as a Met fan, right? But I'm a pessimistic Met fan, apparently. Um, I don't think that's redundant. Yes, exactly. Um, you know, uh, the first six weeks of the season, I guess it was all the bunting that had to do with it. His uh, launch angle was like negative seven degrees for the first six weeks. Like he was literally, on average, hitting it into the ground, straight into the ground. Um, I think that people think that he's a 30 home run player because he did it early in his career. I think those years were very lucky. I think the the home run to fly ball rate might have been lucky for what he could accomplish. His, his barrel rate is awful. The, his whole career, he's not shown 30 home run power in his barrel rate. I think he was kind of lucky with the power, and now everyone thinks, oh, couple of home run 30 home run seasons in a row that's who he is I think he's closer to 20 home run player I mean I, I would project him as a, a low 20s uh homers um ATC is projecting 26 homers but me and Ariel the uh the <laughs> analyst, yeah are you at odds with yourself well I mean ATC is is the formulaic based right I can be at odds with myself sometimes I I generally don't want to I want to follow ATC as much as I can but you know, my my gut tells me that he is uh, lower because I think that I think that the projections are baking in those thirty home run seasons, and I don't think that those are completely legit. Uh, so do you not feel thing. that? Well, I'm sorry, when people question ATC and you see people tweet like, "Well, ATC's got him for 26, but I think it's going to be 20." Are you like, "Yeah, I agree"? You don't mind yeah. when people uh, when people criticize <laughs> criticize it? Yeah, I, I mean, look, uh, you know what? It's about projections in general. 
you know, it, if you can't follow projections blindly because there's stuff about projections that they bake in certain assumptions. And, you know, let's say a guy was injured last year. Projections will show him lower than he should be because they're including statistics from last year where he was hurt. So if you know that as a person that they are, are going to be a little bit low because of something, you'll know that, ah, okay, for that player, I do have to bake in a little bit different. And you want to change the projections a little bit to fit your own uh, mode. Um, but in general, if you veer very far off projections, you're going to be bad. Like projections are the best guess in the long term. If you told me, Ariel, you, you, you can come up with your own system, uh, uh, your own manual picks, take a look at players, but you don't get to use projections for the rest of your life, or follow blindly ATC projections for the rest of your life, it's ATC projections easily. But I, I'm totally fine with saying that I think that Lindor is not a 30 home run player and he's not even close, even though ATC says 26 homers, I take the under. I'm fine with that. But, I, and then, though, I think you're onto something about Buck Showalter because last year they had a make believe hitting coach for about a quarter of the yeah. season last year. <laughs> you remember that? Which, yes. Which is just, it's just <laughs> insane. I, 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 think they were, I think they were using the they were misusing the analytics that they had. Now they have a whole new crew there, new hitting coach. I think it's, it's, uh, they have Eric Chavez on there as well. I think they're going to have a completely different approach to the plate, and I think they're going to say to him, you know what, you may steal less, but get your launch angle up. Swing higher up. Hit more line drives. And that's if he, if he does that, his batting average will go up and his power will go up. True story here. I actually sent in an application to the New York Mets for a, an analyst job like a couple weeks ago, and I just got back an email saying we are not going to proceed further. What a bummer, huh? Sorry to hear that, man. <laughs> Screw right. him. Yeah, screw them. We're here doing beat the shift instead. Um, yeah, let's talk about a couple of Yankees who are down years. How about DJ LeMahieu and Gliber Torres? Nando, are, do any of them strike a chord with you, or are you still down on them? No, I'm, I'm going to have the same kind of refrain for like these guys who have a history of good seasons and then have a down season uh, as bounce-back candidates. So like, Price is going to be right, probably. You know, LeMahieu, I don't know what he's going to look like. I, you know... I remember when Brian Roberts came out of nowhere and hit that 20 home run season. And I know the park effects are going to be different. You know, LeMahieu in Yankee Stadium uh, is, is a little cozier than LeMahieu in, in Colorado. And so that can account for it. But um, I don't know if the homers are real, but I do think like he can hit 330 and, you know, score runs, drive some in. Um, I just, I don't know. I like the price is going to be good on him. Glaber Torres, I still think could be a star. I, uh, I believe in, you know, the tons of prospect lists he was on and then, I, you know what? I, I, there's something weird about Yankee Stadium for like him, Gary Sanchez. I don't know what's going on, but I do still like Glaber Torres. I, I like him as a you know a different level, obviously than Lemayhew, um, as just a you know potential to break out. But uh, yeah, I, I'm in on this group big time as bounce backs because they have a track record of success. Yeah, I, I have different views on those two players. I, I agree with you on Torres. I mean, Torres had that. 38 home run season, and that was after he had a 24 home run season and only like 400 and something at bats. Um, I, I kind of think that Gliber Torres has bounced in him. And, you know, last year you had to pay a fourth round price to get him. Now he's going like the 10th round. Yeah. Um, I disagree about LeMahieu, though. <clears throat> I think that he was lucky. I think that the combination of Yankee Stadium on the first comeback and the ball. I think the ball in the the bouncy ball in 2019 and maybe carried over to 2020 gave him that extra power. I mean, he was showing these homer to fly ball rates that were insane for him. Um, he's not a 22% home run fly ball person, uh, DJ LeMayo. Uh He's just not. 
Um, but so but I, I think I think Lemayu has a much better chance of bouncing back than than Gleyber Torres. I'm very down on Gleyber Torres. Gleyber Torres, think about this. In 2020 and 2021, he's had 12 home runs in his last 676 plate appearances. Okay, where that where did that power go? When is it coming back? Back? How is it coming back? How is he turning around? How turning this around? I think the only way he actually turns it around is if he gets traded. I think he needs to change the scenery. Just like him and Gary Sanchez, I think they both need to change the scenery, and I think they'll take off wherever they go. But as long as he's with he's a Yankee, I don't think he's gonna be there. I I, I think he's gonna just continue to be what he mm-hmm. is. You know, I disagree on Torres. I think that Torres, one of the issues is that they asked him to play shortstop. Yes. And he's not a shortstop, right? Yes. That yeah. can mess with somebody. I think so. And I think when I, I think it matters if the Yankees sign one. If they sign a shortstop, maybe Correa, and he moves over to second base, I think that all his a lot of his woes and his angst and, and pressure goes away. And I think he can get back to hitting where he doesn't have to really focus on the defense. I mean, he's he's probably running drills all the time on on the on the on the field uh, on fielding and and doing less batting practice because he's got a shortstop for the Yankees. Jeter, I mean, he's got to cover oh, those dude. shoes. He had eighteen yeah. errors last year as a shortstop, man. Yeah, like, but he just, didn't, like, didn't he? Didn't he? Didn't he? Didn't he come up as a shortstop? I mean, wasn't he a shortstop until Didi got there? Uh, every everybody I mean, comes in, up in the as system, a shortstop. He was a shortstop. Though. But everybody but, co- yeah, but, who, who, yeah, but who comes a up as a second baseman though? Everybody comes and up as a shortstop. Well, well, they groomed him as a shortstop to take over after Derek Jeter left, but it didn't work out. They they signed Didi instead. They traded for him, and that's why he ended up moving to second in the first place. Yeah. Well, with Lemayhu again, I think it it, it was fluky. And uh, I actually listened to a rates and barrels to uh, today with uh, Eno and DVR, and Eno was saying that. He thinks that the ball this year in Yankee Stadium was uh, more of the new dead ball than it was the old live ball. Like they, the Yankees might have gotten a larger mix of the new product. So I kind of believe these statistics more than the old ones because in 2021 they're going to be using more of the dead ones. So if you believe that, LeMay, who actually will be more of a bust than, than boom. All right. Well, I don't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we shall see here. Uh, injury bounce backs, another category. I guess Mike Trout though should have been put in that category. Um, he's more injury bounce back any than anything. Although it, it was more missed time than bad play. Um, but uh, injury bounce backs, uh, another potential spot where you can mine for for gold. The biggest question though is is the player actually healthy again? And I feel like injury bounce backs work better for hitting than for pitching because pitching there's the added risk of re-injury much more so. Hitting, uh, if you have the soft tissue injuries, the hamstrings, they can reoccur. But a guy who had a hurt wrist, I mean that that's just a fluke injury. Um, but let's let's uh, before we talk more about that. It is time for the Injury Guru's Trivia of the Week. So we're going to be discussing four different players now who missed some time, who were injured last year and maybe undervalued this this year. I'm going to name three of them. I want you to name them in the order of how uh, the most games missed by the player. Okay? Name them in the order of the most games missed. I'm going to give the three players. Luke Voigt. Adalberto Mondesi or Jack Flaherty. Put them in order of most games to least games missed last year. I'll say Voigt, uh, Flaherty, and Mondesi. I feel like Mondesi, we talk about him missing a lot of games being injured that carried over from years past and not so much this past year. I'll say Voigt, Mondesi, Flaherty. 
Well, the answer is Flaherty missed the most games last year. He missed mm. 103 games, and believe it or not, Luke Voigt and Mondesi missed the exact same amount of games. <laughs> oh, that's your question. They both, <laughs> they both missed 100 games last year. Flaherty missed 103. Okay. So, yeah, but you got to divide Flaherty by five. So it really, that's only 20. So we were right. Well, well, the issue with Flaherty, and I think Flaherty is the most undervalued of all the, of of the, of the group, and that's going to also include Lance McCullers. You want to throw him in there. Because Flaherty, he's only 26. He had an oblique issue that led to that I think led to a shoulder issue, and now he has a full off season that he's completely healthy because he did come back toward the end of the year. Remember in 2020, the Cardinals kept starting and stopping because of COVID. That season wasn't normal. Last season wasn't normal, but he has a normal off season, so I think he is the most undervalued of that of this list. All right, so the four we're going to talk about is Mondesi, Flaherty, Lance McCullers, Luke Voigt. Who do you got as your favorite and least, Nanda? Uh, my favorite should, uh, probably should be Jack Flaherty, but I I don't know, man. I'm weird when like when you miss a lot of time with shoulder, and I, I know a lot of it is oblique, but like if you, if you don't have surgery, I just feel like it's gonna pop up again. And it's not like uh, me advocating for surgery; it's just a very vagueish way I read this. Like, oh, you know, he had the forearm strain. Next year he's gonna need Tommy John. Like it's just a matter of time until something happens. So for me, the shoulder. I mean, maybe he learned his lesson, and I'm one thousand percent on board with Raven. And, you know, the oblique led to the shoulder. Like, the overcompensation is going to mess you up. Um, but, man, I just like Flaherty. And if he really does come in okay, he's awesome. So, Flaherty's my favorite. Um, probably Voight's my least favorite. I don't know where Voight's going to find playing time exactly. Yeah. Again, National League DH is going to open up a lot, though. So, he could be a huge sleeper. I mean, yeah, I, I can't. I think the Yankees are going to sign a first baseman. I just, just have to. I mean, is Freddie Freeman going to sign there, you think? I don't Chance. know, man. Chance. I, I don't know. I, I don't think so. I, I, I don't think Freeman's going to sign there. I don't think Rizzo's going to sign there because the Yankees need money to sign Aaron Judge, and I think they want to lock him up. They can't sign Correa and Judge and Rizzo or Freeman it, it, unless they want to just break the bank like the Mets are trying to do now. Yeah. Uh, who do you like, Ruvain, from from the, the four? Uh, it's, it's 100% it's Jack Flaherty. Luke Voigt. Maybe uh, because he may have more playing time than people think he will. Mondesi, listen, you either love him or you hate him. It's one or the other. And I'm the ones who are on the fence. I'm actually somewhere actually smack in the middle. I hate to say that, but I am. Because every year I say I don't want him, and every year I have him on one of my rosters. Because his because of where he is, because of his value. Um, another guy who we're not mentioning at all, we haven't mentioned yet, is Ronald Acuna. Acuna is coming back from injury, too. We're seeing all these videos of him playing. Right now, his ADP is toward the end of the first round. I think he is the most undervalued. Oh, I, I don't like any of those four at all, really. Um, I can't believe I'm well, saying this. you're not supposed this. to like him, right? I mean, you forced me to make a decision. Yeah, no, no, I, I know, I know. I mean, Flaherty, again, the skills are there, and it's just a question of is he going to stay healthy, and it's just it's so risky for me. Um, I kind of I think Mondesi is the best of the group, but – I. Because uh, Mondesi has the highest upside of all of them. Mondesi, if he plays a full season, he's a potential first-round buy with, with the amount of steals he has. So I think because of the upside and because I don't think these injuries are debilitating. Like, Flaherty could be knocked out of the year. McCullers could be knocked out of the year. Voight, I, I mean, he, he seems worse than Mondesi for health. Uh, Mondesi has the highest upside, so I like him. But Acuna, I mean, he, here's the one thing I'll just say is that as soon as spring training starts, and hopefully it'll start soon with the lockout, as soon as Acuna steps on the field, his price goes up. Like, he's going at the back end of round one. He's going to go right in the middle of round one the second he goes. So if you're going to buy him, 
you definitely worth buying him now as opposed to uh, later when his price goes a little bit up. Uh, but Acuna, I, I mean, we talked on the show, uh, he should get back to his production relatively quickly. People recover well from that kind of knee issue. The only question is whether the recovery is going to be April 1st or May 1st or un- unfortunately into June 1st. And the other thing I'd say is that the lockout going longer – of course, helps Ronald Acuna, right? For every single uh, day, for every single week that Acuna, that there is no season, there is a higher percentage of the season that Acuna will play going forward. And by the way, it's the exact opposite for Ramon Liriano in terms of the uh, lockout. For ev- for more, well, he's going to be suspended for whatever number of games it is, and that's going to start whenever the first game starts. So if there's 20 games knocked out, it's just a higher percentage of the season. Uh, percentage of the season, Liriano's value goes down. Just just an aside on there. Um, any, any other uh, bounce backs, guys? What about two other guys? If you had a choice between Jacob DeGrom, where he's going, or Clayton Kershaw, where he's going, who would you take? That's DeGrom there. Yeah, I got to go DeGrom. Uh, yeah. Maybe, uh, you know. That's a lot of capital on him. That, that's, that's, that's an end of second round player that you may get nothing or you may get the best pitcher in baseball. Can we throw, Sin- can we throw Syndergaard in this mix? Does he count? Because I mean, he wasn't really. He's Tommy John coming back. I, sure, I don't, sure he can. Sure. So, I mean, I love Syndergaard this year. He's going to be on all my teams. I, I'm going to reach 50 spots higher. What? Well, why like him? He's far enough removed. I think. I mean, he's still got it. He's far enough removed from Tommy John. Like he's got that 18 month. He's already passed it. Yeah. So I think the old Syndergaard is going to come back and just, you know, 160, 180 innings. I'm fine with. I think he's going to, do- dare I say, dominate. I, I mean, as a Met fan, I, I can't. I can't take him. He was so great. He loved everybody. He was, he was a great Met. He, he was my wife's favorite pitcher, and now he abandoned the team. I mean, Or did the team abandon him? I, I, think, I think the team didn't want him. Takes two to him. tango, my yeah, friend. I, I, I don't True. think the team wanted him. I don't think they wanted to deal with his yeah. quote-unquote antics, even though he was probably good for the team, and, and Mr. and Mrs. Met, whatever he did with them. But I think that being in a different situation will help him immensely. Being in California with the blonde, long, flowing hair, I think it's just going to do wonders for him. He definitely saved the Mets money on shirts, I'll tell you that. <laughs> There's that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's, All yeah right. but they well, want to sell jerseys, so I don't get that. So, <laughs> Well, with that, uh, that wraps up our uh, strategy section here, and we move to the ATC undervalued players section, middle infield today. And uh, just, Nando, here's how we play this. Um, basically, you know, as as we discussed in the middle, you know, ATC is an algorithm that comes up with um, a great guess, and ATC is the best projection system, obviously. Um, but we don't always agree. Like, I, just because ATC says a player is undervalued, that doesn't mean we as analysts think that he really is undervalued. But it does bubble up to the top the potentials. Like, I don't want to study the entire middle infield player pool. If a player, according to ATC, is $7 overvalued, I'm not going to buy him. Like, there's nothing you're going to say that's going to convince me that says, oh, you're right. Now let's change it by $15 and I'll buy him. Like, I have no interest in that. But if a player is $7 bargain, let's at least find out whether we want to buy him or not and concentrate on those. So the players today, let's start with Jose Altuve. Um, I mean, Jose Altuve had a nice bounce back year. He 600 at bats, 31 homers, 278 average, stole five bases. Are you in on Altuve, who's a $2 bargain, according to ATC, according to ATC Nanda? Oh, yeah, big time. I think he's still got the the stench of the cheating scandal on him. Um, so that I think that knocks down his value a little bit when you're in like, you know, real auctions. Uh, but I mean, if, you, if you look at the trash can bang percentages that guy did on Twitter, 
and you listen to the story about where Altuve went down and said, please stop doing that, it actually adds up. Um, so, I, yeah, I, I love Altuve because everyone else hates him, and I have no problem having, like, you know, a villain on my team, especially when he's going to come at a great bargain. All right, Uwe? I like Altuve also because of the fact that he's done it his entire career, even before the, the, the whole trash can thing. He's going to his age 32 season. He doesn't steal that much anymore. When people aren't buying him for his steals, they're buying him for his batting average. And last year, he only batted 278, and that was 50 points below his career high in Babbitt, so in his career average in Babbitt. So I think there's still more batting average you can get from there. Last year, he had more value then. Uh, in, in a in a in a twelve in a fifteen team league uh, five by five, he had more value than according to ADC, Trevor Story, Javi Baez, Tim Anderson, Xander Bogarts, and they're all going ahead of him. Altuve is going in the sixth round. I'll take that every day. Yeah, um, and I'm usually not on Altuve, but I, he's. I mean, I guess he's an aging veteran if you want to consider it. Um, I I kind of think that he's stable. I think his floor is very high. I cannot see him going to zero. Um, whether he's going to hit 31 homers or not, I mean, that sounds like, a, a, I'm not going to say a dream, but it sounds on the high side. Uh, but 20, 25, I think it's more than doable. I think he'll still throw in a couple of bags. Batting average, I mean, he's got an 85% contact rate. Last year it was 86 even. Um, we're talking middle infielders who sometimes you have to pay a $2 premium for in the middle, and yet he's going for $2 bargain. ATC risk metrics are all very clean. He is very stable. Um, I kind of like him as well for a pick here. What about Jorge Polanco? Polanco is going also in the sixth round, same as Altuve. Um, he is a $3 bargain, according to ATC projections. His risk metrics, also very safe. He's very spread categorically. Nine steals projected, 26 homers, 268 average, lots of runs. Uh, he does it all. He's really a somewhat of a five-category player. And, um, I mean, I, I, I kind of like him. I think that, you know, I think that with him and Altuve, you can go into round six, and if you're interested in a second baseman, you can say, give me Altuve slash Polanco, whoever's available. And because there's two of them instead of just one, you might have a chance of them being there. So I, I'm good with picking that little hot spot and concentrating on that in the sixth round. Uh, if that's so what you want to do. Uh, better in auction, though. I, I kind of see myself taking either of these guys in an auction because in a draft I might have to do something else in the sixth round, uh, only because of the way the dynamics go. Uh, but in an auction, I'm all over these two. Uh, what about what about you, Nando? A any interest in Jorge Polanco? Love him. I love him. He's got dual yeah. eligibility, too. And for yes. me, like, you know, I'm old school. Like, back, uh, I don't know, 15, I don't think 20 years ago. 15 years ago, back, uh, you know, Talented Mr. Roto days. Um, oh, yeah. It was, you know, one thing you looked at was doubles. And you're like, if this guy's hitting doubles, those are gonna a lot of those are going to turn to home runs if he's still, you know, under 30. Um, and he had 40 doubles in 2019. He had 35 last year. Um, and I still look at that once in a while, and I, I think that's an indicator that there's some upside still, upside off the 33 home runs. So, yeah, I, I like Polanco. I didn't like Polanco until, uh, you know, maybe the 2020 the uh, strike the COVID shortened season. And then I really started digging more into him and I, I really began to love him. So yeah, weigh in, weigh in. Yeah, uh, definitely. Uh, Ruvain, what about you? I'm not as in as you guys are. I'm a little nervous because he had 33 home runs last year. He earned $20 last year. 
I'm a little nervous that people are going to all of a sudden realize toward this part of the draft, wait, I need to get some more power, and they're going to take him earlier than he's supposed to go, and I'm a little bit nervous about that. Last year also, he was very pull-happy. 53% of the of the balls in play, he actually pulled, and that is not good, especially with the, with the shifts going on, unless they ban it for some reason. Um, I, I'm a little nervous about that. That lineup is not going to be as... Well, if if it's it's not that good to begin with, so I'm a little nervous about Polanco at this spot. I'd rather have in the same round. I'd rather have Altuve, and 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 I don't think Polanco is worth the sixth round value. I'd actually wait a little bit longer for, longer for him. Nando, you mentioned doubles last year. The league leader in doubles, four players tied with 42: Bryce Harper, J.D. Martinez, Whit Merrifield, and do you know who the fourth person is? Um. I feel like there's some kind of meaning here, a trickery, but I don't. There's no trickery here, but it's uh, Imer Candelario. Love it. Nice. You mentioned ho- doubles turning to homers. That's a possible spot that could happen. So consider that one. Um, how about uh, Ahmed Rosario? You mentioned him at the top of the show. What, what are your thoughts about him going? He's going the 11th round, by the way. He's, I mean, he was supposed to be the next big thing for the Mets. I think he had the 2020 potential, you know, high batting average potential. Um, and I was kind of on him all year. You know, I, I, th- I think a lot of people thought he was just kind of cast aside, but he was a major part of that trade. I actually still kind of like Jimenez too, but Ahmed Rosario, man, I think he's he's pretty much solidified in that lineup. Going to play every day, get 600 at bats. That's that's to me, you know, 2022 20, potential with a 285 average. All right, moving. And he's going after Gleyber Torres, and he's going after Chris Taylor, and I think he has more upside than both of those guys because he, he gives you the stolen bases that you may need. He had 24 stolen bases in 2018. That's why everyone was so hyped about it. Then in 2020, you know how many stolen bases he had? A goose egg. None. So people were down on him again, and then you go back and forth. Um, he played 18 games in the outfield, so you have to check your league. If it depends on, on league minimums, he may be eligible in the outfield for you as well, which also gives him some flexibility, which actually get, adds more to his value. All right, so I, I think he has limited upside. I, I kind of think, like, ATC is projecting 13 homers, 16 stolen bases, 278 batting average. I kind of think that's more towards his upside than towards his middle average. Like, it, you know, projection is supposed to be an average. I kind of think that's more of his upside. So if you consider that, I don't think there's room for profit, really, in the 11th round. I mean, is he going to return that? Great, but I don't need to return par value. I want a little bit of profit, and I don't think he can have that there. Um, he had a 340 BABIP last year. He has a, a career, a very high BABIP in his career, but 340 last year was just insane. Uh, and, and that came, his 282 average came with that. I, I would take a grain of salt. So I don't see him as a 280 hitter. I see him more of a 270 hitter. Um, and, and that's quite a bit to drop him, I think. Uh, I, I like the bargain with Polanco rather than have Ahmed Rosario. Uh, although he, he uh, listen, he is spread nicely. I'll give you that with, with the, the steals and a little bit of homers, a little bit of the batting average, uh, but not enough overall value to me to really take him here, and I don't think he can be met much better than this. Um, next guy is Gene Segura, or is it Jean, Jean Segura? How do you pronounce it? I think it's Gene. I think I dug Gene? through this once before, and I think it's Gene. Because the French Cause we were saying Jean. Jean on the show, Jean. and they're like, no, it's Gene. All right. Well, when they, when they announce him in the stadium, it's Gene. Maybe uh, Gene can come on the show and uh, t- correct his name. I mean that that'll be like a one minute conversation. What's your name? 
Jean. All right. See you later. All right. Thanks for coming on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, um, Segura, he is Make going to play the Luke Voigt game. What, what's his name? Bois? No, I mean, make him play the injury game. <laughs> the injury game. Okay. That's funny. <laughs> there you go. Uh, all right, Segura. Uh, ATC ha- has him at a nice profit. $12 player going for six, going in the 14th round, although close to what Rosario's level is. Um, he's a guy that I like every year because he's also very categorically split. Uh, ATC projects him for 15 homers, nine steals, 281 average, 74 runs. Um, the issue is playing time. Is he going to have at-bats, getting a little bit on the older side? He had only 514 last year. Uh, if that goes any lower, he's going to lose uh, playing time and lose value. Um, are you any in on Gene Segura, Nando? Uh, not really. I think we know what he is. T- to me, like, let's see, his ADP is like 198, which it seems like we've been swimming in that lately. Um, let's see, second baseman around him, uh, Jonathan Scope, Colton Wong, Eduardo Escobar ahead of him, and, oh, man, I guess Brandon Crawford at shortstop. Oh, Enrique Hernandez, I would definitely take over him. He's about 15 picks later. It's You know, Segura, I think, has limited upside. I don't think we're going to see – the you know anything beyond teens in homers and steals fine whatever the average could be anywhere between like 260 and 290 but yeah they're just a bunch of people who i would rather have i'd probably skip him gavin lux i'm huge on and he's coming like 30 picks after him i'd rather go with that kind of upside at this point i mean i i agree that his upside is limited just like rosario but with rosario you're only getting a two dollar bargain over market according to atc with segura you're getting a six dollar bargain so even if he has no upside even if that's it you're still making a nice amount per dollar here. That it's a value proposition with Segura is what I'm saying here. I, I agree on the upside. He he is who he is. He's he's not getting any better than this, you know. And he's also a leadoff hitter. He's a leadoff hitter for the Phillies right now. And hitting in front of that lineup, hitting in front of uh, Bryce Harper, hitting in front of Reese Hoskins, he's going to score a lot of runs if he can get on base. And with that, with a with, with if he bats two seventy to eighty and he gets on base a lot. He doesn't have to steal to score. He will be. He will have to just trot home with a lot of the home runs that'll be hit behind him. So he's going to get you a lot of runs, and that's a sneaky way to get runs. And you know what, Nando? If you're gonna, if you're going to skip him, I hope everyone else says skip him too because I'll gob him up even in later rounds because he'll keep dropping. Well, you don't have to threaten me like that. Maybe I won't skip. Him. Oh, no problem. Oh, sorry about that. <laughs> um, sorry. You know, you mentioned Jonathan Scope, who is the next guy on our list. Uh, I like him even better than Segura for the value. $10 player going for five. He's going in the 15th round, so you can get him even later than Segura. He has the trifecta of ATC volatility metrics. Projections agree. Projections, if any, are up, and he's categorically split pretty well. Um, he had 85 runs and 84 RBIs last year. Like, you know, you mentioned the Tigers on the upswing. He bats, like, in in the middle of the lineup. Like, he, he's going to bat fifth. Or, or uh, for the most of the year, I think, um, you know, and his batting average is a plus. Uh, he's got a great contact rate, eighty percent contact rate. So I think there's a nice high floor to his production. The counting stats will be high. I mean, RBIs and runs are forty percent of your offensive production. I can see him having seventy-five, seventy-five, eighty, eighty. I can see that. Um, and you're getting a nice twenty to twenty-five bank of homers, no steals, but you know. And listen, you're you're in the fifteenth round. You can't get everything. I kind of like his value. I think he is going. He's a nice profit, even if he just does what he usually does, and he's done this for many years in a row here. Thoughts? Yeah, I'm a. So how Ruven is with Segura is how I am with Scope. I think Segura still has some fans, 
um, as we just saw. But I, th- I don't think Scope has many at all. And I, I just he's he for me is that guy who offers steady production. So I, yeah, likey. Thumbs up, Ruvain. A hundred percent thumbs thumbs up. I love this love this play. He's also eligible at first base this year, so that's an that's an added you know uh, flexibility for him. But do you know that last year he earned the same amount of value as Jazz Chisholm? Did think really? about that. Think think about that. You're in the same value. If you're in the same value and you're getting him so much later than Jazz Chisholm, and he's dual eligible at both at second and at first, why would you not want him? Hey, Nanda, what are your thoughts on Jazz Chisholm? Because uh, everybody I listen to and read is so up on him. I am so down on Jazz Chisholm. I think he is way overpriced in the fifth round this year. Yeah, I mean, you're going to have to pay. It's, I like him, but he's not. Yeah, for me, he's eighth. I would be comfortable with him. And I think he's. I think the buzz is just going to keep going up and up and up. I mean, he might earn it. He might earn it. But I, for me, it's my drafts kind of end up going a little differently than they would where I would pick him in the fifth round. I don't think auction either. Um, he would come in. I just, I don't know. I like him. Uh, I kind of liked him when he was kind of more of a bit, bit of a secret last year, I guess. Even though it's not really a secret, but I mean, maybe he didn't have his believers last year. Um, I think he's going to be great, but I just, I won't be taking him into the fifth round, if that makes sense. Yeah. Do you know what his batting average was from June 1st on last year, Jazz Chisholm? Two, 232. His slugging was under 400. He was a rookie, you know. WRC plus of eighty six. Are you saying I, people figured him out, or are we just saying like you know? I think he was incredibly lucky and hot in the first uh, first two months, and he played over his head. I yeah, mean, but his the, track the, record suggests that he'll be fine. I I would think. Yes, but but not a fifth round value though. That's right. that's the problem. He, he's not going to be a fifth. He round might value. he might figure it out, but will he will he figure it out this year? I don't know. I don't want to pay a fifth round price to figure it out. I, I, I again, I, I, it's not a long term uh, prospect of him. This is a what is he going to do next year, and is the risk really worth it during during the fifth round? I mean, uh, ATC projections don't agree. I've got some projections for him where he's got fifteen homers, fifteen stolen bases, and some he's up to thirty. I mean, it's a he has got a very wide error bar, and to be honest, the Marlins, I'm not going to say they're going to send him down, but uh, they can bench him. They can put him batting ninth in the lineup uh, at a, at some point. Like I I I I don't know if he's he's fifth round value. I mean, there's so many other great players to take at that time that 2020 is so good. I mean, isn't Robbie Grossman much later on? Maybe even a better a better pick for value than him. I don't yeah. know if I go that far. Maybe if you're playing in OBP leagues, but I don't know, Robbie. There, there's so many good outfielders. I guess. Well, if you if you think that Grossman's going to be hitting the top of the Tigers lineup, and you assume that like all the studs are going to be up for Detroit, you know, in short order, um, and you know, Candelario, those those doubles turn to home runs, um, that could be a very powerful lineup. And whoever's at the top of that lineup is going to score 100 runs. Uh, so if the, the assumption is Robbie Grossman's going to be up top there, I don't know, man. I'm still not crazy about Robbie Grossman giving you the same. No, no, I'm, I'm not either, but Robbie Grossman's going in the 12th round. ATC's projecting him 17 homers, 16 stolen bases, 241 batting average. Jazz Chisholm, what, 2020 with 240? 
I mean, what are you getting for three more homers and three stolen bases? You got to give up a fifth round pick. I'd rather. I think the value proposition is bad for Jazz Chisholm. You're pay, you're paying yeah. for the name. That's what you're doing, and and that's what you shouldn't be doing. You're paying for half you, a season. You're, you're, you're paying, paying for, half for, a season. for well, actually, you're also paying for the before he got injured, also because he did get injured, and that may have affected him a little bit. Like he tried to push himself, um, and also that lineup, the Miami lineup, is not that great, and it's very unproven. So, you don't. He's back. They haven't. Rust resources have him batting second you have jesus aguiar behind him you have jesus sanchez who's who's an unknown right now i mean there are so many question marks in that lineup they can they can easily pitch around him next three players are all going in the 21st 22nd rounds sort of a hot spot for atc again a hot spot is where you have three or four undervalued players at either the same position or have the same type of statistics, um, and they're all going for bargain. And the notion is if you have three there, instead of saying, I really need to get player A or I really need to get I target player B, you say, take A, B, or C. I don't care who. They're all going for bargain, whoever comes up. And, you know, someone will come up because not, you, you might get one person who loves uh, J.P. Crawford. We're going to do J.P. Crawford next. Some Maybe some p- player loves him, but – Nobody's going to love every single player in your hotspot. So he will go at ADP. Somebody will go at ADP. Uh, J.P. Crawford, Miguel Rojas, David Fletcher. Let's start with Ruvain on this. Uh, which one of those do you like the best and any information about them? Well, first of all, for um, Miguel Rojas, he had surgery or he was supposed to have surgery with he, until all this information shut down. He was supposed to have surgery on an injured finger that ended his 2021 early. He could go with 10 home runs, 13 stolen bases still, 260 average. They have roster resources, also has him batting leadoff. Yes, again, I mentioned the Marlins lineup not being that good, but still being a leadoff hitter somewhere. And right now they have Miguel Rojas being a leadoff hitter there. So I like his value there, and it's also a quote-unquote injury bounce back. But I like David Fletcher the best. David Fletcher can play anywhere. He played 20 games with shortstop. He can play at second. He played a third when Anthony Rendon got hurt in, in, in a couple of years ago. He's not going to give you that much. Much, but he's a perfect guy to have on your bench at the end. He hit. He can hit you five home runs, 12 possible stolen bases. And the main thing is he's not going to kill your batting average. He'll hit around 270. If he hits around 265, 270, and he's on your bench and he can fill in whenever someone gets hurt, that's the perfect bench player that you want. All right. What about you, Nando? Yeah, I uh, I actually agree. Um, I, I don't know. It's Yeah, I'm going to go. I'm not. I'm not crazy about Crawford. I was for a little while, and then I think he just kind of showed us what he was. And you're not—I mean, he's not even going to hit double-digit home runs or steals. I don't think. Maybe, maybe more steals than than homers. Rojas, I like the idea that he'd be batting the top of the order, but I think a lot of that can change. There's still some moves to be made. I think Kim Ang still has some moves to to make. You know, it's—it's really she hasn't had a shot yet to show show off her wares. Um, So I think the Marlins still have a couple moves left in them. Fletcher's just flexible enough, man. That's, you know, he's, I don't think he's going to be that guy who's finally going to settle into one position. And oh, who's that dude on the Cubs, the outfielder who came from San Francisco, like 20, I know it's a long reference, 2014, 2013. I got to think of his name, Angel but I, they were, no. no, no, uh, he has a name. That's kind of like Mark Grudzelonic, but that's not it. Is it There's Mark like Grudzelonic? No, but it, it I'll figure this out. He played everywhere. Including, but it was a guy who, th- including Montreal. I don't think it was him. I'm gonna find out. I'll find the Giants' 2013 roster. Anyway, the point is, which is a roundabout way of saying I think Fletcher's gonna be picking up enough eligibility, playing enough, showing himself valuable enough 
bouncing around enough where he's going to get the most counting stats for you. Yeah. I'll read off his plate appearances in the last couple of years. 665 last year. He had 230 in 2020, which is also equivalent of high 600s. 653 in 2019. It's playing time, playing time, playing time. His last couple of batting averages, 262, 319, 290, 275. Uh, the guy finds spots to play. So, I, I Nate th- Shearholtz. Yeah, uh, Nick Shearholtz. That's right. That's right. Good one there. Uh, that goes way back, right? Yeah, um, yeah. Fletcher, I think it depends on the format. If you're in a deeper format where you want roster spots that have a lot of counting stats, a lot of playing time, Fletcher works better than all these guys, right? If if you're in a, an AL twelve team AL only league, if you're in a deeper than fifteen team mixed league, Fletcher is gonna be the steady, tried and true. He won't get you much, but he'll get you enough value that that it'll be well worth his cost. I think Miguel Rojas to me is better in a more shallow league, twelve to fifteen team mixed. Um, the Marlins like him; they put him in a nice spot in the order. He doesn't have much power, but he does have the 10-10 ability with a high batting average. Um, and I think he'll, he'll get there. Crawford, I think I agree with Nando. Like he, we had high hopes for him, but I, he might have just flamed out. Uh, and he does no power whatsoever. Uh, so I, I, I'm down on, on Crawford this year. Well, Craw- Crawford came up. He was supposed to be the speed guy, and he never really panned out. But yeah. he, they love him for his fielding ability. So he's going to stay in that lineup because he's a very good fielder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, I mean, either of these are all very low value. Um, hopefully they go, you know, even later than the ADP of round 2021. If you can get him as a bench player, round 28, great. I mean, those are great fill-ins uh, for you as well. Uh, it's time for the mailbag. Um, a couple of questions here. Uh, first one from PSU Castro. He says, hey, Ariel, been listening to you on your podcast and anytime you're a guest elsewhere. Really enjoy the strategy and mining value discussions. Can you talk about your methods for converting projections to values and the different ways that other sites do that portion? Cheers. Well, thank you, PSU Castro, for that. Um, It's kind of complicated to get into a math discussion as far as converting projections to values. The two major ones are SGP and Z-scores. Most people prefer SGP. I like the Z-scores. Z-scores are, if you do a lot of leagues, and you don't know what the new context is. You know, you've never played in a league before. Z scores are good because it's more flexible in SGP. SGP is better if you know exactly the people you have, exactly the league structure you're in. Uh, and there you go. Um, I will say, though, for the mathematically inclined, that Z scores actually prefers more rate stats better. Like, it'll emphasize more batting average, whereas SGP will favor more counting stats, like steals or go much more in SGP. Uh, but that's just a side. Uh, I, I like Z-scores. It's easier and more flexible to use. All right. John asks, I know that Dynasty Keeper isn't really you guys' bag, but what are your general thoughts on player valuation for a limited player pool? Restated, if a large percentage of players are already rostered, how do I think about market premiums in a free agent auction? Well, Nanda, do you, do you play any Dynasty Leagues? Oh, yeah, I love Dynasty Leagues. I'm, I've got about a half-and-half half split between regular oh. and Dynasty. Okay, so maybe you can answer us. Well, Ruben and I are not big Dynasty keeper guys. Um, well, what do you do if a lot of players are kept? How, how do you gauge market premiums? Like, you know, steals guys pushed up, saves guys pushed up. Like, how does that work? Uh, well, for me, so I'm in three different – I'm in a score sheet, uh, I'm in a points league, and then I'm in a regular roto – two regular rotos. Um, yeah, and uh, so assume maybe you're keeping 10 out of – well. 
Dynasty leagues, you know, they're keeping a lot more, but um, yeah. yeah, yeah. So basically, what I do is these leagues are on CBS. I look, first thing I do is go to their projections and I sort by whatever my team is lacking. Um, I think a lot of people do this before you start your roto league. You know, you go through, you see what players you want, where you could fit under the, you know, you do some fake, you know, fake run throughs and you add up all your numbers and you know, like, you know, what won Tau Wars last year in a 15 team league? What were, you know, how many home runs did you need? This, 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 and this. And you make those your targets. Um, so wherever I'm lacking on my targets, I sort, I just see what their projections have. Um, you know, there's obviously a lot of stuff I disagree with on there and I want to do my own, but it at least give me an idea who, who's out there and where the tiers are going to fall off. Because I think the majority of people doing these, especially online, are going to kind of in the draft room sort by this, sort by that. So I'd like to know, like, here's a tier, you know, after this guy who's projected for 20 steals, there's a guy with 12 and 11 and 10, and there's a guy with, you know, 5, 4, 3. Um, so th- that's basically how I start. Um, identify just the players I like, basically. I st- I'm going to have my favorites no matter what. I'm going to have my sleepers no matter what. Again, I like a lot of people who a lot of people don't like. So that actually plays well for me in Dynasty because – if they hit, it's not like they hit from July on for me. It's they hit from July on and then for the next five years. Like, Adelis Garcia is on all my teams. You know, I got a great year out of him last year, but I've got him now for until I don't want him anymore. Um, it's a weird combination of things. But if you're just talking about scarcity, I think the best thing you can do is go to your league page, sort by projections, and just get an idea off of that. And then start picking up the players you like in the categories that you need and, you know, taking some shots like plus minus five steals with their projections. They're not the end all be all um, as Ariel has even said himself. So that's, that's the base of how I start looking when I, when I have a very limited pool and I need to make some moves and can we get an not kind of trades and stuff. Can we get one of those? Adelise. There we go. There we go. All right. Uh, no, <laughs> that, that's great suggestions. I mean, uh, I, I don't play many leagues and uh, you're right. It, it, it's, it's, it's not just about the players. It's about what you need. I mean, I think the pricing for yourself has to do with what what your category needs are as well. That that's a great suggestion. Anything to add to that, Ruben? No, I I think he answered it pretty well because we don't really do many dynasty leagues, so it's kind of harder for us to give a better answer than what he just gave. So I'll I'll plead the fifth. And the only thing that we do in in uh, Ruben and I do a home uh, keeper league is uh, I mean just in terms of player values, we compute what they would normally go for value. We subtract out all what they're being paid for, all what the players who are already being kept are worth. Subtract them all out, and then we hit, there's some gonna be some inflation, right? If in a normal auction you would have two hundred and sixty dollars for two hundred sixty dollars of value. Um, maybe you're going to have $220 for a $200 value left. So at all prices are going to be inflated. So, you know, you do have to adjust any price for that. And if you think there's a market premium for steals or for saves, you'd apply that factor as well. That's the only thing I can think of, but I, I like Nando's advice on that. Uh, we, we have Metsy 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 asks, okay, of these players, top four most likely to bounce back. Uh, let's, just, let's just all pick two of them. Austin Meadows, Cody Bellinger, Christian Yelich, uh, Eugenio Suarez, Soler, Dom Smith if traded, Jeff McNeil, Bohm, and Gliber Torres. Pick your best two. I'm going to go with Bohm. And uh, I guess we already talked enough about it. Eugenio Suarez seems like a pretty safe bounce back to me. But Gavin Lux, man, I'm telling you. Gavin Lux, Joe Adele. Jump on them. No one's really talking about them. Yeah, I'm not so high on on Lux Adele. Um, is there any going to be competition with like Justin Upton? Like he's gonna is he gonna get the playing time right away with Adele? I'm I'm so wheels off now because all this wild stuff happened last year. I'm like, if the guy's gonna be good, they're gonna find a way. Okay. I'm not. 
I've stopped worrying about playing time for the most part. Okay. Moving? That's just me, though. That's me. Yeah, yeah. I, that, that could kick me in the butt. But. Well, I like the Gavin Lux thing because he will get some playing time to start the season because we don't know the story with Max Muncy, how he's going to come back from his elbow injury. So so Gavin Lux may get some more playing time early, so you'll be able to see what, he, what you get. But I think Eugenio Suarez, I think he was just extremely unlucky last year. And Cody Bellinger, I do like Cody Bellinger. Of that list, I like Cody Bellinger the best because I think he'll have a normal offseason. And I think that... They they really need him and 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 I th- I think they're gonna really utilize the D if there's there's gonna be a DH he's gonna DH a lot so they can rest so he doesn't have to run around that much so they can protect him so he can be more healthy toward the end of the year. The question is what who's the most likely to bounce back and that's Suarez I I I, I agree hundred percent that he's gonna bounce back whether who's gonna be the most profitable in a bounce back uh, I think it's either gonna be Gleyber Torres or Austin Meadows. I can see those two as gaining the most value. But if I had to bet on somebody to exceed his draft value, it's going to be uh, Eugenio Suarez. Uh, JD asks, okay, six-by-six categories, with the extra one being OPS and quality starts, would you rather take Semyon for $10 or low for $5? No? Uh, Nando, which one you like, Semyon for 10 or low for 5 I'll do Semyon for ten. I think he's on fire now, and I think it's good momentum's going to carry over for another couple seasons. Ten bucks is such a steal for a guy who's amazing right now. Okay, moving. Yeah, I agree. I was on the Marcus Simeon fan 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 bandwagon for many years already, so I think he's. I think that's where to go. Well, you know, I I think that um, with Semyon, you know, he had a great year a couple years ago. Then he went a little bit down. Then he had a great year. I I kind of think that he had a career year last year. And I don't think he's that good, so I expect a little bit of a, a, a comeback. Um, ATC prices the two of them within three dollars of each other. Um, so in a batting average league. So if you're talking about Semyon for ten and low for five, just alone you're getting a two dollar bargain more by going for low. Um, and that's in a batting average league. I think when you're including OPS, I think low actually gets a little bit better. So I'm gonna go with low just because the price is much lower on low. See what I did there? Fair. Wow. Okay. But okay. what if it was low? Uh it would then it would then be it was, he would go lower in the pun, yeah. The the, yeah. Pr- the price is lower. Yeah, the price is lower. <laughs> See, I'm prepared for everything on the Beat the Shift podcast here, Nando. Nice. Uh, thank you. Yeah. All right. Uh injury update Ruvain. Uh what Instagram people are you uh, looking at this week? It's been very quiet this week, so I haven't I don't really have any Injury updates this week. Hopefully, this the lockout will end. We'll know what's going on. And we'll have a better. All of a sudden, we'll get a floodgates will open, and we'll have a whole bunch of injury updates. But what I do want to say is this: during the course of drafting season, when you see a player that's been injured, especially pitchers, look at the innings pitch that are projected. That's the best way to calculate to see if the values you're looking at for the injured players and at bats. You'll see whether the values are equal to what you think they're what they're what they're going for. If you see something strange, like let's say you see that someone thinks that Justin Verlander is going to throw 170 innings next year, I don't know if he's going to throw 170 innings next year, coming off of not pitching at all. So you look at these values, look at the at bats, look at the innings pitch for players coming off of injury. That's a very key fact if you don't know what the injury statuses are. Nanda, would you rather have Verlander or Degrom for the prices they're going? Probably Degrom. Uh, that injury, Scott. Man, I don't know. I, I'm avoiding both of them. If you maybe choose one, 
I guess I go with Grom thinking that, I don't know, man, Houston's not dumb, and they signed Verlander with a lot of money, though. So, yeah, let me go Verlander. It'll give me less angst. Interesting. I, I kind of you're gonna feel so dumb if Degrom goes off and goes nuts and everything's fine. That's the problem. Yeah, I I I, I don't know. I I don't really agree with projections on Verlander. They have him pitching like he never missed any time. Oh, here's 140 innings and he'll be great for those. I don't know. Does it really work exact like that? We've seen that people who've returned from Tommy John either get less innings than you think or aren't as good as you quite think they were uh, on the whole. I mean, there's exceptions, but. I mean, he's he's not a spring chicken here. He's not like, well, he's 24 years old, returning from Tommy John. He's 39 years old. I mean, I don't know. I, I, I don't have confidence in Verlander. And DeGrom, we don't know. We don't know if he's healthy or not. If he's healthy, I mean, it's DeGrom by a mile. And even if he pitches a half season, it's still DeGrom by a mile. So I think I think I would rather have DeGrom in the second than Verlander up in the seventh. Well, think about think about it. Verlander is 39, coming off of Tommy John. Why is he only going to pitch 150 innings if he can pitch more? He's, it's not like he's going to blow out his arm and end his career because his career is going to be over soon anyway. So he's he's in a one year, one or two year contract anyway. So what so what does it matter if he if he tries to push himself? That being said, if they are smart and that and the and the Astros are going to try to make the playoffs, they'd probably you know skip him a couple of times just so he's fresh toward the end of the season for a playoff push or even in the playoffs. We gotta get uh, Kate Upton on the show to uh, tell us what the plans are for him. <laughs> You're booking a lot of guests. We try. Yeah, I, I'd I'd rather have Kate Upton on than uh, Gene Segura. So do that. <laughs> uh, I think so too. Uh, there you go. Uh, well, uh, this is a great show tonight. Uh, and I want to thank you, uh, Nando, for for coming on the show. Um, yeah, I mean, you've got a great uh, podcast over there. I listen to it. I, f- I feel like I'm on the podcast uh, uh, most episodes for some reason. Uh, I do, too. Yeah. <laughs> this is why I'm so comfortable talking to you, because I do it every week. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, f- <laughs> I'm sure everyone uh, knows by now, but uh, um, Ian Khan on uh, the Under the Radar podcast with uh, Nando and DVR uh, does an impression of me, which, um, I don't know, what do you think? Do you like the impression? you think it's accurate? I, I mean, he, he has your cadence and kind of like your... Um... Your melody down, yeah. I guess. But look, this, I mean, this is, for people who don't know Ian Kahn, he's like a successful professional actor. You know what I mean? Like, he's, yeah. been, he's been acting for decades. This is like a, this is his job. <laughs> and he's just, every show, you know, somehow, inevitably, the conversation will lead back to you. And he's like, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. And then five minutes, well, you know, it, it's there we go. And he's <laughs> off for like a minute, and there you are. <laughs> Sprung to life on our show. He, he definitely has the cadence, but I don't know. I kind of think that the character he put forth uh, makes me look like a little bit of a jerk or a pompous guy. I'm really not like that in real life, no? Well, that's what makes it funny. <laughs> also, you do enable him. I think you do, because, like, you know, I was talking to Ariel. You know what he said? <laughs> I, can, I almost guarantee that you are on the phone with him saying something and dropping little seeds yeah. into his soil. Yeah. Did, did you hear the pickleball clip yet? Not, no. You didn't hear it? I, no. All right. Well, uh, we got to show it. Maybe, maybe you he guys keeps will... trying to play these. He keeps trying to play these for us before the show. Oh, uh, but we have a DVR kind of. He's like, no, we got to, we got to record. I will say the pickleball <laughs> one is worth uh, is worth listening to, and maybe maybe you guys will put it as a post credit thing on, on your show. But the pickle one, the pickleball one, is the funniest one yet. I do have to say that. So definitely listen to wait. that and put it on your show. That, that that'll be funny. All right. Uh, anyways, uh, do you want to uh, promote anything, or uh, why don't you, you know, push anything you like uh, ab- about you or what you're doing? No, you know, I'm a I'm a humble guy. There's nothing we really need to 
Come check out The Athletic if you're so inclined. It's fun. Awesome. Boom. No, great, great work. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Great work. And uh, you were not, your podcast was nominated for Podcast of the Year uh, in 2020. So uh, definitely a great show. Check it out. Uh, Ruvain, what about you? Uh, can you post your stuff? Sure. You can follow me on Twitter at MLB Injury Guru, where I will be eventually tweeting out injury updates as soon as they're available. And, and I'm going to tweet them out fast and furiously before the season starts. Also, you can catch my weekly article on Rotoballer. Well, I'm Ariel Cohen. You could read my work over at Fangraphs, uh, at Rotoballer. I had an article that I talked about at the top of the show. Check that out about ATC projections and risk metrics. Um, ATC projections are up on all my sites here, including uh, those two and CBS Sportsline. So check that out as well. My Twitter handle is ATCNY. And, of course, you can always listen to me on the show here, the Beat the Shift podcast, every single week. All right. Well, once again, thank you to Nandu Defino for coming on the show. And from all of us here at Beat the Shift, we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to the Beat the Shift podcast presented by Fangress. Follow us on Twitter at Beat underscore shift underscore pod.